Warning. What you will see in the movie Pieces cannot be revealed, cannot be described, cannot even be imagined. And you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. Pieces. Absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted. This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. another episode of Pieces in Pieces, a sub-series of the podcast Under the Stairs where we take the movie Pieces, which has beloved the world over from 1982, we chop up into bite-sized, five-minute viewable pieces, because we're just going to keep saying that word, uh, which is not complicated or confusing for a Scotsman to say to Americans who hear it differently because you're all weird, and then I get a guest on to chat about those five minutes, but here's the kicker. The release order is all out of sync. So this might be the first episode you're hearing. This might be the last episode you're hearing. This might be somewhere in between. But I guarantee on this episode we're talking about minutes 25 through 30. Joining me on this episode is my good friend and colleague from the Jaws of Shite and other regrettable outbursts is the phenomenal Scott. How you doing, buddy? I am very, very well, thank you. It's been a while since I have hooked this microphone up to (laughs) talk to your good self. I'm glad that I'm here. You're so glad that you spent that money on that microphone for all that yeah. podcast you were going to be doing. Two uses so far. <laughs> we've got, we're, we're talking about things in the background that might make sure there's not a lot of dust on it in between recordings. So um, we'll, we'll see how we get on there. And before we get any further on this one, I don't think I've ever asked you this. History on the movie Pieces. Is this a movie you'd seen before, before doing yeah, this no, thing? I am sure that we did an episode on it for Scott and Liam. I'm positive we did because I've definitely seen it. Um, I thought I owned it, but I Mm. couldn't put my hands on a copy, so I had to buy the Arrow's release um, for this episode. I think I might be right, I might be wrong, that it might potentially have been on Shudder in the past. Maybe that's where I watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think I might have watched it on Shudder for the episode, and then so I had to buy it for for this this, um, segment. So Um. at this time... I didn't watch the full movie again and take I just only watched my pieces. Yep. You um are I think one of four hosts that did exactly that. So yeah. and then the rest watched it. The Baz watched the whole movie again, even though he famously doesn't like it. But now he's he's apparently he's okay with it. He doesn't think it's a good movie, but he doesn't hate it as much as he did when he watched it blackout drunk with me. <laughs> like maybe see the, the thing is see my pieces, I think my pieces give a full movie i'm quite happy with what i've seen <laughs> the, only, the only thing that i've the only thing that I've, i miss out on is um i i didn't get the famous scene yeah, uh the bastard scene 
the bastard scene, yeah. So whoever was the lucky, the lucky dog that got that one. <laughs> well, you, you do, you do land a, a a couple of a couple of impressive ones. On this one here, though, we're covering minutes twenty five to thirty. This one essentially starts with Professor Brown touching a bloody chainsaw. It will end at the thirty minute mark with the final scene being footsteps in a hallway as some horrible dance music plays. And when I say dance music, I mean as an in interpretive dance. Which is a horrible rip-off of Electric Avenue, which is in this movie, um, which is a real thing. <laughs> but yeah, also if you don't if you don't stop your twenty-five to thirty minutes dead yeah. on dead on the money, you get to see whoever gets the thirty thirty-five gets a very a very lovely um, scene <laughs> to discuss. <laughs> a lovely woman dancing in. Um, right, uh, so let, let's swing into this one at minute twenty-five. Professor Brown, who has been called in by the police, who can't wait for forensics to show up to this like mutilated body that's been found beside a pool has already been asked if he can go across and give his feelings on it he works in the anthropology section of the of the university which somehow makes him a pathologist <laughs> like i mean so so he so he was there to to, to tell them what had happened to something along those lines uh, he's basically been brought in there because he studies human anatomy and rather than rather than like i know what you're i know where you're going with this the question he's about to be asked is the most silly question in the history of cinema. Um, and his response is suitably dry, but they bring him in. I think it's twofold. I think the reason, from a filmic point of view, they bring Professor Brown in is one, to get him down to view the crime, but also two, because Professor Brown is a suspect. So I think they're trying to wait and see if he, I don't know, gives any tails away from you know being right. involved in this see if, it, if he lands himself in it yeah also the, the big thing that probably lands himself in it is he instantly touches a bloody chainsaw um to which like christopher george instantly says don't touch a professor you could have destroyed some evidence no duh <laughs> like, like, i don't know what i don't know what they were asked in the, the beginning the very end it begins i see but yeah. my notes just start off like, i'm not a pathologist but even a layman could see what was done with this yep. points to the chainsaw. With, in fact, is that what he actually says? Is yeah, that that's literally, literally <laughs> what he says. The, the scene I'm right before... <laughs> a layman could see what was done with this points to the chainsaw with a dismembered body behind him. <laughs> the question he's asked right before this scene starts, uh, Christopher George, as the lieutenant, says to him, um, I, we can't wait for the, you know, the, the crime scene people to get down here. Could a chainsaw like that have done that to this body? Now, <laughs> what you should have said is, could that chainsaw, which is currently covered in blood, have done that to that mutilated body? Um, but yeah, Brim says, oh, uh, I'm terribly sorry. Uh, well, I'm not a pathologist, but even the layman could see that it was done with this. I would say it's elementary. To which Christopher George says, okay, thanks. Uh, thank you. Um, that'll be all. And Brim says, you're welcome. And he leaves the scene... Um, and we have this <laughs> I don't know how things work so I'd like things make me smile that probably should make me smile if they are actually grounded in reality do like see when a body's been severed in the several pieces do people put it on like a stretcher to carry it out <laughs> like do they wrap up the body parts well, and still uh, put it on a stretcher no they what they from my very short amount of time in the uh, in the morgue yep. during my training, when I got a couple of autopsies, it's basically like if you say somebody's hit with a train, 
Yeah. They don't necessarily come in in the same in the same bag. So no, they don't rearrange them and put them on a string. <laughs> yes, they so, did. They well, play like maybe, a play Yeah, like... maybe some do. I don't know. If all the pieces are there, I suppose, then everybody likes a wee jigsaw puzzle, don't they? Yeah. Well, you see, all the pieces are there, but we're about to find out. There well, isn't. Yep. <laughs> I love how this is going. This is flown. Um, before, bef- yeah. So before we get to that, I, I just, and this is my uh, ADHD or autism. I need to read out every single thing that I've written down. Uh, secret, secret shadow man running behind the doors. Okay, let's move on to the pieces. What's he doing with the pieces that are missing? Direct reference to the title of the movie. I remember learning that in English in high school. I can't remember what, what the book was we're reading, but they said first direct reference to the title. Yep. I don't know if that's the first time they've said PTs, but certainly it is the first literally, time I think, and they talk about missing parts, I think this is the first time they say the words, what's he doing with the PCs, which, if you're me, you're like, that has to be in the trailer. <laughs> that's your money <laughs> shot. That's your money shot in the trailer right there. Um, yeah, there's a weird, like, this has never paid off in any way, shape, or form. There's a weird shadow person that disappears in the door, which is never explained like they hear a noise and he turns around but then we get this great line Christopher George plays hard men in movies that's what he's known for he plays like generally law enforcement but but hard men but I love the, the idea of him he's like, he, he, I love the idea of he's standing there with his sergeant who I keep calling not quite Frank Drebin because he looks like a like off the shelf wish store fucking Leslie Nielsen and he's like, what's the matter? And he says, well, I don't know. Guess this case has given me the creeps. <laughs> and he goes, me too. I wonder what he's doing with all the pieces that are missing. And then Christopher George is like that. That's what I mean. It's creepy. He says, looks like, and I love how he makes this jump straight away. Looks like we're going to have to put some undercover agents in. Um, I'll fix it with the Dean when we see him. So we're instantly going with the, there's been two deaths on campus, two young women, we need to get some undercover cops in here. And he's going to have to clear it with the Dean. Um, and we transition from this scene to Kendall, who is essentially our protagonist of the movie, kind of. And because this movie is a quasi-giallo um Kendall is your hero of the movie. He's not police, but he's the person that's going to solve the crime overall. Um, but he's with his friend who's just the fucking strangest character ever in this movie. And um, <laughs> Kendall's friend is like, uh, well, I'll be seeing you. And Kendall's like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, Randall policeman comes in. The police in this movie, like the like side police are all terrible. And he comes in and he says, the lieutenant wants to see you both in the dean's office in a half an hour from now. Now, why a half an hour? <laughs> like, if they're suspects, like, like, here you have half an hour to go on the, the, the run because the police want to speak to you. It's just, it doesn't make, he's there. He should escort them. Not a half an hour or whatever. Um, yeah, just, I, just whenever it suits you. Why don't you go and get yeah, some lunch? Go and get I, a coffee you, first, then, you just, then come uh, past. But, like, because when they're, they're, tra- they're chatting to him, the police officer's like, no, it has to be half an hour. Because they're like, <laughs> um, he's like, uh, the lieutenant wants to see us both in the, the dean's office. He says, "Does he want to inspect us or can, does he want to inspect us or consult with us?" Um, and he's like, "Don't worry, I'll be there." And the policeman says, "I hope so for your sake, and not worth to anyone." <laughs> and that half an hour because you're a teenager at a university who will have friends, and there's a gossip train here. Don't speak to anyone. Um, and Kendall's friend says, "Do we need an attorney?" And then we switch to the dean's office. Um, this is that I love anything involving the dean is 
fucking gold in this one because the Dean is supposed to be from Boston. That's where his character comes from, right? His accent is not Boston. It's not Bostonian. This is like a, ooh, I hope it's not someone in the faculty. You know what I mean? He's like, he's like total like, like, like middle to upper class English. Um, and this uh, is, why do they put why do they they put places on people who don't have accents to go with them? There's no there's no story requirement. Just no. Well, Jack Taylor, who plays Professor Brown, is I believe English, and he relocated to Spain in the I want to say once again late seventies, and it was just in every fucking like Spanish genre movie ever made after that. Uh, Edmund Purdom, who plays the the dean here is also not fucking like English so I don't know why they have this accent on him at all unless it's once again to create a red herring because we know the original murder if you're watching the movie the original murder happens in Boston so you just assume this kid can't be you know this can't be the adult version of that because he doesn't have an American accent it's the worst red herring misdirect I've seen in a movie if I'm honest it's kind of like so that was this recorded in English and then dubbed and so this was this was recorded in the classic way that Jallos are recorded, in that they're recorded with no sound in uh, Badly. Post-dubbed. <laughs> no, there's there's no sound at all. All the sound is done post. So is this the same as this kind of story with the the Clint Eastwood westerns? Yes, yeah, westerns are exactly the same yeah. idea. Was that, was that like a Spanish? Uh, sorry, it was an Italian technique. So they would record yeah. the film, but then they would ADR all the sound afterwards. Yeah. Because that's what somebody told. Somebody said that to Clint Eastwood before he was going over to do them. He says, "You better remember everything you've said because you'll have to re-record your sound." He's like, "Don't be daft. That's the daft way of doing it." No, sure that's enough. literally <laughs> how they do it. Literally, how they do it. So it's weird because in a lot of times the uh, a, an English voice would be overdubbed by a different English voice. So you would see the person, you know what they sound like, and the voice that comes out is not theirs because someone else dubbed it afterwards. So yeah, everything's dubbed here, and it's it's. It's not particularly well done. Um, but yeah, like, uh, in the Dean's office, Christopher George, the lieutenant, says, you see, I'm pretty sure the murderer is someone on or around the campus. Well done, lieutenant. <laughs> <laughs> that narrows it down to everyone here in the surrounding area. Um, the Dean says, this is brilliant, surely you don't suspect one of the members of my faculty. Um, and Christopher George says, it could be anyone. The point is, will you cooperate? To which the Dean says, you want to put two of your policewomen, policewomen, so they do specify gender here, you want to put two of your policewomen on my staff to spy on everyone? That's asking a lot. My note here is, is it, like two of your students have been butchered with a chainsaw, is it a lot to ask that two undercover police officers come into your school? No. Well, surely. My note, my note from this scene is, the Dean is guilty. He's deflecting clear evidence or suspicion away from him. Remember, I've not watched, I've not watched this film. I've just watched this five minutes. I've also got a note here that says my five minutes could play out like it's its own wee short movie. We had a, we had a, we had a murder, and then I've already picked who I think's going to be the kill. <laughs> you literally called it. You babe Ruth this. Um, so Christopher George says he says what everyone's thinking. He's like that. There've been two murders now. That maniac is going to kill again. This may be the only way of catching him. And the dean says. Yes, I suppose as in that case, when do you want them to start? I love the push on this, so that he's like, we need two undercover officers here, and the dean's like, right, I give in. When do you want them to start? And Christopher George is like that. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not tomorrow. It's like I'll let you know. 
Now, if you can call your secretary and get the two boys in, so this is Kendall and Kendall's friend. So he calls Grace, Grace lets them in. Um, and I, I love this as well, like Kendall and his friend are walking up a flight of stairs and Kendall is supposed to be a pussy hound in this movie. Um, sorry, Baz, if you, you're listening to this back. Um, I don't like that word. Uh, but he's walking up there, he's like, hey man, can you do me a favour? Don't mention it took over a half an hour to find me. Which is basically lying for a potential you know suspect it's basically what he said he's like that oh, if you can just miss the bit where it took you half an hour to find me and his friend says well where the hell was were you and he's like that uh, you know Alicia that blonde from anthropology real word in this movie his friend says you made her too wow Kendall how do you do it <laughs> it's just it's, it's like it's not required <laughs> it really isn't <laughs> well let, like like Kendall and like, there's a scene with Ke- there's a sex scene with Kendall later on where um, and I stress this all the time because I do like it when movies they show boobs but they also show full cock and balls which they do in this movie for for Kendall so it's equal balance they're showing like if they're doing one one thing one wouldn't do with that but like Kendall is literally he's slept with one of his classmates who's made so much noise that he's he's off put by it and she literally says I'll gag myself you can put a gag in my mouth that way no one can hear me and about that <laughs> what are we doing here in this movie uh pieces it's exactly what you think it is um so yeah so he says i well i just whistle and they come running and kendall's friend says here i am with kendall james the campus son <laughs> yeah of course when yeah uh, yeah, the, the, Shagger, the campus Shagger would have been a much better line. Shagger is what I would use. Later on, he calls him Casanova, which was even better. Would have been better. Yeah. So we jump to the Dean's office, and this is where we get into the nitty gritty. If you're paying attention, this gives you all the information you know. Scott picked this already that the Dean was deflecting, but there's a pivotal bit of information passed on here which all but secures that Dean's a killer. Um, so Christopher Joe says. So you found, this is to grace the secretary, so you found an envelope on your desk for Kendall, marked most urgent, and Grace says, yes, and I took it to the dean, didn't I, sir? And then Christopher George says, and... And that's literally how long his hand goes for. And the dean says, I'm sorry, but is all this really necessary? Once again, two murdered students on campus. All he's been asked about is an envelope. Um... Christopher George says, um, should we ask the parents of the two murdered girls? Which is once again what was going through my head. And I thought to myself, I could be a copper. Um, and the, the dean says, uh, yes, of course, you're of course you're right. Well, I gave orders to Grace that she should deliver that letter to Kendall right away. Christopher George says, well, what was that right away? And the dean says... <laughs> No one uses my office as a mailing address. All the students seem to think that the only thing important in their life is what interests them. So when the letter was found, I naturally presumed that reading what was on what was written on the envelope was what it appears to be very urgent. So in the envelope, if you're watching the entire movie, the envelope is written from the girl who's murdered in the pool. And basically the it's written to well no, sorry, that's a lie. It's written from the Dean to Kendall basically to tell him not to go to the pool for half an hour because he has found the crumpled note that the girl who died in the pool passed to Kendall in the library saying, going to meet me in the pool and we'll have some shagging. Um, 
so basically the the dean has written a letter and planted it in his office essentially to tell Kendall not to go there for half an hour right but it's clearly the dean that's behind this letter because it's in his office and the way he acts about this is suspicious as fuck he was he certainly raised my suspicions in the <laughs> short five minutes that I seen him yeah it's, 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 it's overkill on this but the Dean goes through, if you're not paying attention, the Dean goes through pretty much all this movie as being not the suspect to the end, even though there are clear pointers. The more you watch it, the more you pick out like other bits. I found on this rewatch, I found about three or four things that I had never noticed before that I'm like, all right, that totally relates back to that. So he's totally the killer, even though I know he's a killer. Um, Kendall says, uh, look, I'm sorry, sir. Beats me why Susan would use your office like something like that. Uh, to which Christopher George says that note was sent by the killer to make sure you didn't show up at the swimming pool why did you show up I've said this before PCs should just be called everyone is a red herring but the audience will never believe they were the killer because like in the, every, all the way through this movie it's like and maybe this person you're like no and the movie's like ah but come on and you're like no they're not the killer ah, uh, no 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 and then that character is never on screen again um so he's basically so why, so why did you show up and this is the the switch to Kendall's gonna be a cop that's how he's treated pretty much for most of the movie says well sir I just I had this feeling something fishy don't know why but it just didn't feel right sir so and the cops just let go from that one so you showed up at the pool because you felt something wasn't right then you're innocent <laughs> you should go yeah Aye, I mean, it's, I don't know, All right, out of context, I've only got five minutes, but it just yep. feels as if that the, the, the script is very, very weak, <laughs> and that the story is not, <laughs> I mean, it was just like, everyone's, it's just very, very straightforward, yep. simple, put in place, and obviously, obviously my five minutes was, was perfect in terms of, of, of a murder, and then yep. a short investigation, and in that five minutes, it is actually, when context, you, when you, like it is that, really yeah. the perfect scene to be honest with you yeah. it's the perfect five minutes I've got that as well it says that, that was a perfectly rounded five minutes I would have preferred the next five though as, <laughs> as it jumps into the, uh, <laughs> the that dancing scene doesn't get much 80s better 80s dancing 70s dancing Okay, I, I mean, it it's like we could put quotations around it and pretend that it's dancing. No one's in sync. Yeah. It's horrible. Um, like, like I'm watching it just going, find the rhythm. Um, and so, so, yeah, so uh, <laughs> um, Christopher George says, okay, you got anything to add? And he says to Kendall's friend who says, who, me? I, I don't know anything honest. And Christopher George says, all right, listen, both of you. I don't want you talking about this. Not a word. It's very important, do you understand? To which Kendall says, yeah, sure. And then Christopher George says to Kendall, here. And he hands him a card and he says, I want you to give me a call when you feel better. Once again, no indication that he wasn't feeling well. There's someone at, uh, there's someone at the office that wants to talk to you. We'll later find out it's a psychiatrist. Um, which also plays no part. He chats to a psychiatrist <laughs> for two minutes. We never find out what the results of that are. Uh, and Kendall says, okay, sir. And Christopher George says, I don't have any more questions. How about you? And looks at the Dean. And the Dean's just like, uh. <laughs> He's like, literally, ah, end of scene. Out you go, shoo, shoo, shoo. And then we switch to footsteps in the hall. You are right. You've, you've can, I, when I watched this earlier, I thought to myself, Scott's pulled like a short straw here because it's post death 
and it's a lot of dialogue, but you are right. If you contextualize it in those five minutes, you are literally, they find a body, the police then start chatting, they arrange interviews, and by the end of it, you've formulated your opinion, so... Yeah, I think I, I think I looked out certainly for story wise. Weak as weak as it may be, <laughs> five minutes. Five minutes was enough. Um, any any favourite standout bit of that whole five minutes where someone says something? Like I, I'll, I'll I'll put things on the table. My favourite thing, and it also works really well because there's no context to the minutes before, is Professor Brown saying, "Well, I'm not a pathologist, but even the layman could see it was done with this." I'd say it's elementary. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. It's just like, it's just like, mm, do I think this bloody chainsaw lying beside the body may have been used to slash up this body with clear like chainsaw things? Yes, yes. I, I, I mean, I'm no, I'm no pathologist, but I think that's probably I, right. That's that's pretty good. I also do like the fact that they're the, this is, is this high school or college? College, isn't it? It's supposed to be a university, but they refer to it as a college campus right. more than one time um, throughout. It. I like the fact that the, the two boys are just like kicking towards the dean's office or whatever and being like, yes, two of our friends have been brutally <laughs> murdered. Potentially more people will be brutally murdered. But you were shagging, right? Were you shagging? Oh, yeah, yeah I was no, shagging. Like, <laughs> like one of the girls who's just been found dead literally passed me a note that night saying, come to the pool and shag me. And he's literally that. Like, well, I didn't make it with her, but Alicia? Oh, did you make it with Alicia? Oh, shagger. Um... Yeah, it's totally written. It's like it's that whole thing, isn't it? Where characters are are so one sided and there's no thought. It does like it's it's almost like all six characters are written from the perspective of the one person because nobody's rounded at all. Yeah, this this the 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 person that wrote this script, who's apparently goes under the name uh, is Dick Randall, I think. Is Dick Randall wrote the script, uh, but co-produced it with Dick Dick Randall? I yeah, Randy Dick gets gets even better. (laughs) He, he co-produced it with a guy called um, Jack Shadow, which is just a fucking made-up name, or a superhero from the 1920s. Like it's, like, it's Jack Shadow and Dick Randall who produced this movie. Come on. Yeah, Aye. yeah. The, 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 you know, the writing's there. I think... The pieces are all coming together. <laughs> the pieces, I love it. Uh, but where's he taking all the pieces? It's creepy, man. Isn't it creepy? Um, <laughs> Scott, thank you very much for joining me for this segment. You have an archive of things for Scott and Liam versus Evil that I will get you to pimp right there. But you're also on Jaws' Shite and Other Regrettable Outbursts, a podcast that should be much more frequent than it is, uh, but we'll be coming back at some point. Um, so uh, pimp your rear, sir. Pimp it. Yes, well, if you're listening to this episode, then you'll be more than familiar with Jaws' shite and other regrettable outbursts. Um, but in terms of the Scott and Liam versus Evil podcast, it is still available on uh, wherever you get your podcasts. I think we have we got over a hundred episodes, you did, I believe. Yeah. You passed yeah. hundred, yeah. um, and a whole manner of range of movies, ranging from the beginning where we used to verse a couple of movies together, had some guest spots as we went through, and then is that later on. I think we're focused on singular movies. There's also potentially some way to find out some uh, ridiculously horrendous live streams that we uh, we carried out um, <laughs> two or three times. But it's it's all there in the internet for me to be ashamed of for the rest of my life. So check it out. That's what the internet's there for. It's a constant. It's a constant yearbook of shame um, for you to look back and say I wasn't the class clown, uh, <laughs> or most likely to succeed. 
thanks yearbook um, or thanks Facebook. Uh, right, ladies and gents, like I say, I don't know where this episode is going to drop in the pantheon of episodes out there. So I'm going to assume there might be one after this. So if that is the case, I look forward to chatting to you on the next one.